Hey guys, good evening. I know it's later this uh, later this episode, this installment of uh, Christianity Proper, but I wanted to hop on here real quick just because I've been um, thinking a lot about <clears throat> something very specific, and it is the simplicity of the gospel. And so I wanted to hop on here. Um, I just got in from work um, at uh, at the restaurant. For those of you who know that I work at my parents' restaurant, if you don't know that I work at my parents' restaurant you do now. So I wanted to hop on here and talk about the simplicity of the gospel. It's actually interesting. I noticed um, Facebook tells you how many people are online right now. And even though it's pushing 11 o'clock, this is as many people as have been online. I think um, as I'm doing a video, um, this is the highest number of people that have been online. So uh, more people than just me are night owls, I see. But um, I want to get to the point here. Um, I've been having, it, it feels like a lot of conversations. Really, I guess you could say it's probably at least six or seven conversations over the past couple of weeks. And they all have stemmed uh, or been connected to, they've either stemmed from or been connected to salvation. Now, whether that's somebody who uh, is a Christian, but they've, they've all of a sudden they've got concerns about like, why well, am I really saved? Or how do I know if I'm really saved? Or you know, what is the gospel? Because I see a lot of areas in my life where I'm not doing what I need to be doing. So if I'm not doing what I need to be doing, does that mean that I'm not really saved or um, that I need to get re-saved? Because there's a lot of, there's a lot of confusion and there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of poor teaching out there when it comes to salvation and, um, uh, and, and everything that proceeds from that. But, but really, I guess you could say, um, there's some confusion between salvation and then sanctification. Um, but anyway, I've, to, to get to uh, Scripture, I've, uh, at Mindy's Baptist, I've been preaching through uh, the book of Genesis, and we're just going chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And as we've gotten to the life of Abraham or Abram, um, there's been a, a couple of really just powerful reminders to me as a pastor, but also just as a Christian, uh, of the simplicity of the gospel. Yes, even from Genesis. Um, the first thing that uh, that was just humbling to me to reconsider um, as I was prepping sermons a few weeks ago was just that, you know, Ab Abram was called, Abram was chosen by God. And in Joshua, we're actually told that, you know, Abram was the, his parents were pagans. They worshiped other gods and we see the grace and the mercy of God in, in Abram's life. And we see that he's told to go to a land that God will show him. And, but he, he faithfully follows. I mean, he does that. He, uh, God tells him to get up and go and he goes. And, but we see there's even simplicity in that. Um, and then we, uh, we just got to Genesis 15, um, this past, uh, this past week, um, Actually, it was a couple of weeks ago. I apologize. We got to Genesis 15. We just covered the first few verses where it says plainly uh, at the at the end of that first section. I believe it's chapter, uh, verse six. Genesis 15, verse six says, um, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. That's so simple and so powerful. And, it, and it's still the same today. And we're going to look, we're going to look at how we can know that it is still the same for us today. Um, that nothing has changed. If we, if, if we have any hope of being justified before God, um, that it is, it, it's through faith. And um, I have, I've shared that sermon here on Facebook. 
Um, and it would, you know, I'd be humbled if you guys took a listen and hopefully you would be encouraged through it. Um, but just in considering that, that that's how it is with every sinner that has ever been saved. It is by grace through faith. Um, God calls us to Christ. He, he, he draws us to salvation and we, we do exercise faith. We, we place that faith in Jesus and, and that's it. It's through faith. Uh, it's nothing that we do. It's nothing that we've earned. It's nothing that we've, uh, that we've even worked for. Um, it's by grace through faith. And so I want to talk about the simplicity of the gospel uh, tonight. And I don't, um, for those of you listening to the podcast or if you ever heard me preach, you're going to laugh when I say this. I always laugh when I say this. I do want to be uh, pretty concise. I just want us to consider the simplicity of the gospel. So I'm, I've already given, given opening remarks for about five minutes. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump right in. We're going to be in Romans, Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. Verse one says, what shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, to one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but his due. So for one who works, if you have a job and you get a paycheck, um, you earned it. That was your wage. You worked, you put the effort in, you earned it. Abraham believed and it was counted to him as righteousness. Righteousness was not owed to him. Mercy and grace was not owed to him or else it wouldn't be grace. It wouldn't be mercy. Um, and so he believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. He was justified, uh, before God through faith. Jump now to, um, verse 16 of Romans chapter four. That is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all offspring, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that don't exist. And even that, um, that's, that's a very simplistic thought, but the more you ponder it, it's very profound. God, who calls into existence things that don't exist. Um, God, who gives life to the dead. I mean, is that not a small, uh, a small snapshot of what salvation is? We're dead in our trespasses and sin. He raises us up to new life in Jesus Christ. Uh, and be- because we're dead in our trespasses and sin, we don't, we don't really yet exist as a Christian. We don't exist as that new creation, but he calls us into existence and we're made, we're literally told in scripture, we're, we're made new. We're a new creature. We're a new creation. We once were children of wrath. Uh, we once had not received mercy, but now we have received mercy. And so even that verse there is kind of a small little snapshot, um, of salvation, But let's continue real quick. In hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations, as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in the faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised Now, 
There again, I'm going to come back to that. That's another small little snapshot there. But that is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. So fully convinced that God was able to do as he promised. We are sinners, and now we're, we're into our gospel presentation, uh, considering the gospel together. We are sinners. All have fallen short uh, of the glory of God. But there's this promise that all who believe, all who call upon the name of the Lord, all who have faith in Christ and his finished work will be saved. So we're sinners, we deserve the wrath of God, but there's a promise from God that all who look upon the Son and believe will be saved. They'll never perish, but they'll have eternal life. Now that seems unfathomable. Uh, that, that seems almost ludicrous. You say, well, God is holy, God is just, God hates sin. I'm a sinner, I'm unholy. I'm unrighteous. So if God hates sin and I'm a sinner, then I'm an enemy of God. So how in the world and why in the world would an enemy of God not receive wrath? And the answer is grace. And we know that that grace is displayed in the fact that Christ has come, laid down his life upon the cross, crucified, buried, risen the third day, and he has ascended, seated at the right hand of the Father. And there's a promise attached to that, that all who believe that Christ and his sacrifice has, has atoned for their sins, has taken away their sins, um, they'll be saved. So it, it, it is more than just, oh, I believe Jesus was a real person. It's no, I'm a sinner. God is holy. I'm a sinner. I deserve wrath. But when Christ came and he died upon the cross, he actually received the wrath that was due to me. He actually paid the price for my sin. Therefore, I have been set free from sin. I am free from the burden of sin because my sins have already been paid for and I've been set free. I believe that. I have faith in that. And through faith in that promise, we receive eternal life and we're justified through faith. So to keep going here, uh, we'll start. We'll start at the beginning. G even Jesus kicked off his earthly ministry, you could say, by preaching, "Repent! The kingdom of heaven is at hand." So repent. Why would we need to repent? We're sinners. God is holy. We've fallen short of the glory of God. We need to repent, turn from our sin, repent, and be saved. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Let's read that just a little section there, starting in verse 21. Now, the righteousness of, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Well, there you go. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. So the righteousness of God through faith to, who's that righteousness applied to? Who's that righteousness credited to? Those who have faith. That's a miracle. That's the miracle of salvation. That's, that's the gift of salvation. That, that's the promise that there's justification, there's the righteousness of God that is credited to those who believe. For there is no distinction. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The only hope for everyone, Jew or Gentile, black, white, Latino, 
whatever your background, whatever your ethnicity, uh, whatever your lineage, um, rich, poor, uh, whatever your uh, economic status is, whatever your social status is, the only hope for anyone. There is no distinction. There is no distinction. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the righteousness of God through faith to those who believe. So all have sinned, but for those who believe, the righteousness of God credited to their account. All have sinned, but there is a group of people that we would refer to as believers, Christians, Christ followers. And to those, they have believed, they've had faith, and it's been credited as righteousness. It's counted to them as righteousness. So all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This is why we need to repent. We place our faith in Christ Jesus, but we're starting really just with repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. In Adam all die. Our sin nature, our sinfulness is directly tied all the way back to Genesis, all the way back to Adam, uh, because Adam is the father of us all. Uh, in a in, in a fleshly sense, um, we all come from Adam. And when he fell, we fell. And Adam all die. Uh, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, verses 21 and 22, in Adam all die, but in Christ Jesus, all shall be made alive. So all who believe, all who are in Christ Jesus, um, all the believers uh, will have life, eternal life, right? So we need to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Why is repentance necessary? And Adam all die, we're dead in our trespasses and sin, and all all have sin. Because so, if you say, "Well, I'm I'm not cool with the fact that in Adam all die," I shouldn't be guilty for what Adam did. Okay, well, just consider this: Have you ever fallen short of the glory of God on your own? Uh, are you responsible for falling short of the glory of God at any point in your life? Have you ever told a lie? Have you ever been jealous? Have you ever thought about taking something that wasn't yours? Um, have you ever been, have you ever been greedy? about something and wanted more? Have you ever been not satisfied and discontented with what God has given you? Um, Have you ever lusted, right? Uh, So all of those things. Uh, And if you say, well, no, I'm I'm good on all of those counts. Okay, well, have you bowed the knee and acknowledged that Christ is Lord? And are you now living your life for his glory alone? And if the answer is no, then you've fallen short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. So repent, the kingdom of heaven is, is at hand. Then we come to that, great and blessed promise, belief. All who believe will be saved. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10, we're still in the book of Romans right now. Romans 10, um, verse 11. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. There's a a promise there. There's a hope there. We can't see it. Like we can't see something happening within a person or within ourselves when we believe. We can't see that, that steadfast love of God being fully applied and we can't see that heart of stone becoming a heart of flesh and we say, oh no, I've seen it. That's how I know it's real. I've, I've seen it with my own eyes. I've, I've touched it with my own hands. Like I no, it's just, there's a promise. All who believe will be saved. Christ has come. 
Behold the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. Um, and all who believe will be saved. There's a, there's a promise in that. And it, and it is taken in faith. We are saved by grace. It is God who, who draws us to the Son. It is God who calls us to himself. It is God who raises us up to new life. It is God who washes us in the regeneration of the Spirit. And those who have received the new birth freely place their faith in Jesus Christ. It, it's a miracle. And um, it, it's a gift. And so we, we exercise that faith. And through faith, um, we are justified before a holy God. So I referenced John 1, 29, behold the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. But let's go to John 3, <clears throat> the most famous passage in all of scripture. And, and before we get to John 3, 16, if you read the entirety of the chapter, you see plainly that Jesus tells Nicodemus, you must be born again. Um, and we reference that being born again is, is something that only God can do. And Jesus says that as well. Being born again is like the wind. You can't control it. You're not in control of it. You don't have authority over it. Uh, you know that it's there though. Uh, and, and that he said, so it is with those who are born of the spirit. Uh, Titus references the fact that we're washed in the regeneration of the spirit. And so just to put it simply, scripture tells us, Paul says in Ephesians, um, we're dead in our trespasses and sin, but he has raised us up to new life. And then Paul says in Titus, uh, in, in that letter, that we are washed in the regeneration of the spirit, which backs up what Jesus is saying here. It's like the wind. Uh, you're not in control of it, but you know, to, you know that it's there. You see the effects of it. So it is with those who are born of the spirit. So there is that mysterious element to it. We're not in control of it. We can't force somebody to be born again. We can't make it happen. We can't make ourselves be born again. It's a gift where we have, we must be washed in the regeneration of the spirit. But John three sixteen. for God so loved the world, say it with me, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him, I went KJV, Whew, that's a throwback. That shows just how powerful it is, like what Bible translation you were raised up with. Uh, I haven't, I haven't even studied from a straight up KJV in years, probably pushing nine or 10 years. And I just quoted John three sixteen. KJV full on. I even said, believeth. Wow. Uh, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, uh, I'm going to unpack that a little bit, still being brief right now, but I do want to unpack that a little bit briefly. Because in that, this Christianity proper installment is the simplicity of the gospel. Whosoever believes or believeth, since I went KJV, whosoever believes. Now, what I want to unpack there just a little bit, and if you're if you're a member at Mendy's, you know I brought this up um, recently. The verse does not say, <clears throat> whosoever raises their hand or whosoever walks an aisle or whosoever prays a prayer or whosoever gets emotional, um, whosoever makes a decision, whatever. There's no action, there's no work, there's no procedure that needs to be followed. It's whoever believes. 
And y'all know that I've, I've brought this up before. People who have followed our ministry in any way, shape, or form, you know, I'm not. I'm not a fan of the sinner's prayer. I'm not a fan of telling people to raise their hand or come forward or whatever else. Not because I think those things are inherently sinful, but I think they can they can set up negative reactions or they can set up negative um, results, negative repercussions. And I want you to consider that when we do things like that, we're actually complicating the gospel, which is ironic because a lot, many people, a lot of people would say, well, we need, we're, we're attempting to, we're attempting to make it easier or more accessible for people to come to the Lord for salvation. So we do things like every head bowed, every eye closed. There's nobody looking around right now. Um, if you want to be saved tonight, just slip your hand up into the air. There's nobody looking around. Just slip your, I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Um, and then we'll, we'll go through that and then we'll say, now for anybody who raised their hand, for anybody who slipped that hand up, uh, if you're willing, we're going to ask you to go ahead and come forward tonight so that we can celebrate with you. And, and, and I get it. Like that's, that is so common in the world today that you would think we actually got that outline from scripture, but we didn't. Here's what I want you to consider. Those things are actually complicating the gospel. The gospel is all who believe will be saved. So if there's somebody, if we've just preached a sermon or if we've just shared the gospel with a family member or anything of that nature, and somebody is actually, to use this language, somebody is interested in being saved. Our response should not be, well, say this prayer and then you'll be saved. We'll raise your hand and then you'll be saved. Um, it also shouldn't be, as long as you're sincere in your heart, you'll be saved or what, nothing along those lines. It's literally believe. All who believe will be saved. Now that's not to say, if, if when you were saved, you walked an aisle and you said a prayer, please don't take this like, oh, well, Caleb's just saying that I might not really be saved. Uh-uh. All I'm saying is we can't put our faith in the fact that we said a prayer one time. We can't put our faith in the fact that we raised our hand and walked an aisle or, or, or whatever else. Like It's fine if you did those things unless your faith is actually in that. And, and here's what I mean there, and then we'll move on to the next step. The reason why this burdens me so much, um, and I, I was guilty of this for many years. A lot of times when we ask people, well, how, do you, how do you know you're Christian? How do you know that you're saved? Many times people will point back into the past and they'll say, well, when I was nine or 10 or when I was a little boy, uh, I said a prayer and asked Jesus into my heart or the preacher asked who wanted to be saved and I raised my hand and I walked down that aisle and I got saved that day and everything. And if we really think about that, if we're being honest, you would have to at least admit that there's a chance that there's a chance many of us might be putting our faith in a one-time event. And we say, well, because at one time I did this, because at one time I said the sinner's prayer, or because at one time the preacher told me I was saved because I raised my hand, walked an aisle, it was an emotional night, and I was really convicted that night, 
and I went through what I needed to, to go through and that preacher man told me that I was saved and because of what happened in the past, because of what I did in the past, that's how I know I'm saved today. That's not where our faith needs to be. Our faith needs to be in Christ and his finished work alone. So you say, well, well, when I was 10 years old or 11 years old, I placed my faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ and my faith is still in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And because of Jesus, that's how I know that I'm saved. And you say, Caleb, you're splitting hairs and Caleb, you've split so many hairs in your life that you don't even have any hair left. And I would say, yep, you make a valid point. Uh, I know you may feel like I'm splitting hairs, but I'm begging you to at least consider that when we actually do the whole sinner's prayer thing or raise your hand or do this or do that, we are actually complicating the gospel. And we're also, we're also not fully trusting that God is capable of bringing people to salvation and bringing people to a place where they put their faith in Jesus Christ. Preach the gospel, share the gospel, and just tell the give it as a proclamation because that's what the gospel is. The gospel is a proclamation. It includes an invitation, but it is a proclamation. You're a sinner. Christ has come. Christ has laid down his life. He was buried. He rose the third day and he has ascended. Jesus is Lord. All who believe will never perish. All who believe will never be put to shame. Uh, there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus, but it's only for those who believe this is the truth. Christ has come. Jesus is Lord. He's the only mediator between God and man. All who believe will be saved. And you and I and everyone will be held accountable for how we respond to the good news of Jesus Christ. But it's just as simple as that. Believe and live. Reject and perish. You say, well, Caleb, when you put it like that, that sounds kind of severe. Well, let's go back to John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, this is ESV now. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. So we always quote John 3, 16, but we need to get to 18 as well. And even, yes, when we're sharing the gospel, if somebody says, oh, well, I might believe that later on or whatever, but right now I'm not, that's not for me. I don't really feel like I need to bow the knee. Then we need to be ready to share with them in a loving way, but in a, in a truthful way, in an urgent way, their soul is in the balance, so to speak. You say, okay, but understand this. If you reject, you're condemned already. There, there will be a judgment from God to answer to for, for, for every person. It is appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. All who believe will be saved. I've just shared the truth with you, the truth of the gospel with you, the truth of Jesus Christ with you. And all who believe will be saved, but understand this, all who do not believe are condemned already. And so you will be held accountable for your response to the truth of the gospel. And we, we need to share truth with people. Um, and so repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. All who believe will be saved. And to sum it up, and this I know that my, my aim, my hope with this was to be simplistic. 
Uh, and I hope that you would agree this is a very simplistic look at the gospel because there is a simplicity to the gospel. Our only hope of being justified is through faith in Jesus Christ and his finished work. And see here, this is it. Like this, this is the crux of it. And I think this is why it's been so humbling for me over the past few weeks that I'm, I'm so thankful that God has kind of, you know, um, reminded me that there is this beautiful simplicity um, in the gospel that especially with the Jewish people, you know, is, well, we're going to follow the law and we're going to be right with God. We're going to follow all these commands and we're going to be right. Righteousness doesn't come through the law. Righteousness doesn't come through law keeping today. Um, if you say, well, I go to church and I pay my tithes and I try to be a good person. I help people who need help. I give money to people who need help. Uh, and I don't even, I don't even tell other people about it. I really am just doing it because I'm trying to be a good person. I'm trying to be nice. I'm trying to be loving. I'm trying to be compassionate because I know that's what God would have me do. That's great for what it's worth, but it's not going to justify you before God. Why? Because even our righteousness is as filthy rags. So even if we were the best person we could possibly be, and that can't justify us before God, then what's our only hope? Christ and his finished work. See, the thing about Jesus's life on earth and the fact that he was sinless, why that really matters is because he perfectly obeyed the law. He never broke a law, regardless of what Stephen Furtick says. I really hope you aren't listening to Stephen Furtick. Um, that's, a, that's a whole other series of, uh, <laughs> of, of podcasts. But Jesus never broke the law. Jesus never broke the law. In fact, he actually said, I came to fulfill the law. So Jesus perfectly kept the law. You know what that means? He was perfectly righteous. He was literally perfect. He was tempted in every way as we are, but yet without sin. So he was perfect. But yet he died. He died willingly. He laid down his life for a purpose. Why? Because his perfect sacrifice as the spotless, sinless lamb of God his blood was the only thing that could atone for our sin. Also, his blood makes atonement, makes a covering for our sin. But when he died upon the cross, he was satisfying the wrath of God. And that's not something we talk about very often, and I'm not gonna try to plunge the depths of that. But understand that God is just. He has to punish every sin. So as a Christian, it's not that God just said, okay, I'll forget your sin. Now, he does say, I'll remember their lawless deeds no more, but that's because those sins have already been punished. How have they already been punished? God, the Father, poured out his wrath on those sins, or for those sins, on his Son. Christ has already received the wrath of God um, that was poured out for our sin guiltiness. Um, so, what is our only hope? To place our faith in Christ and his finished work, his work of redemption. Um, so repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Believe uh, and be saved. Our only hope of being justified is through faith. And let's go back to Romans 4, right where we started. You say, Caleb, that I'm thinking, I'm trying to track, but I just want to make sure this is actually biblical, that, that it really is this simple, so to speak. Let's go back to Romans 4. We're going to pick up where we left off. I read all the way through verse 22. That is why it was 
That was why his faith was counted to him as righteousness, talking about Abram. And here's what Paul says in verse 23. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead, Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. So it will be counted to us who believe. It will be counted to us as righteousness, to us who believe in him, God, in him who raised from the dead, Jesus our Lord, Jesus who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised up for our justification. So through faith in him, we are justified. And then the very first verse of chapter five says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're justified through faith and through that faith, we have peace with God. Our only hope of being justified, our only hope of having peace with God is through faith in Jesus Christ. And now to close out, that is the, that is the gospel. Um, here's why I think this has been on my mind so heavily. I mentioned earlier, I've had uh, six, seven, eight different conversations over the past couple of weeks that have all been linked to or connected to in some way salvation how do we know that we're really saved what what really is the gospel and i'm one conversation was basically you know I, I'm, I'm struggling i see where i'm falling short in areas and it's hard for me to to know if i'm really saved when i know that i'm struggling in these areas and i'm maybe falling short in different areas and so on and so forth and this passage from matthew 11 just continually has been on my mind and and I think for good reason. Some of the other conversations I've had is just with people that it, and it's obvious we live in a day and age where um, the the stresses of being accepted by the culture are ever present, especially in the younger generation, teens, kids that have social media and stuff like that, just living for likes and follows and comments and so on and so forth again. I hate to sound like a broken record. Um, I keep saying so on and so forth, but I'm, I am trying to be concise. So we live in a world that is just weary. People are hurting. Um, people are searching for love, acceptance, compassion, joy. People are searching for meaning in life. And and a lot of times we, we buy into what the world says. The world says things like, oh, well, self-love and self-care is really important. If you take care of yourself more, then yourself will feel better. I know that wasn't proper grammar, but I'm just saying. The world says, take care of yourself more, love yourself more, and then you'll feel better. The world says, take some time for yourself. The world says, disconnect from people who don't support you. Disconnect from people who don't get you. Uh, disconnect from people who don't give you the same energy that you give them. And like, it's, it gets weird the way that the, the world communicates to me now. That's, that's me. I, I read some things and I'm just like, this is, I'm only 32. And the way that, the way that we word things and we talk about things now is just, it's amazing how times have changed. But nevertheless, we, we, we buy what the world is selling us. Change careers and that'll make you happier. Uh, if you had a job that you liked better, that would make you happier. Uh, Self-fulfillment. Accomplish your dreams. Do what you've always wanted to do. Quit your job and go travel. 
Like, you know, just do whatever you want and that's what's going to make you happy. And we, we, a lot of times we fall for those things and then we get to the end of that rope, we get to the end of that journey, we get to the end of that ladder that we were climbing and we, we find out, oh, I'm still, still not satisfied. I'm still not content. My soul is still not at rest. And, uh, and, and those are, um, those aren't even matters of, of like sin or falling short of the glory of God yet. We're going to, we're going to tie that in, um, in a, in a, in a very applicable way, I believe. But it, it's so obvious to me at this point that there's so many people young and old that they're still searching for, again, that acceptance, love, compassion, that, that, uh, that bond with mankind to have a core friend group, to have a sense of community and to be plugged in. Um, and, and we go to the world looking for those things. And because the world cannot ever satisfy those deep eternal longings that we have uh, because we're made in the image of God, we inevitably end up still not satisfied. And, and then as a result of that, it's also we live in a day and age where depression rates, suicide rates, mental illness rate. It just seems like everywhere you turn, there's like, oh, well, now this, well, now this. And now the numbers are going up. Suicide rates are higher. And mental illness, there's more people diagnosed. And it's just, as a believer, we honestly, we ought to look at all that and say, these are the repercussions of, of sin. We live in a fallen world. We live in a sin-cursed world. And when sinners pursue more sin to satisfy their longings, when sinners pursue more sin, even in an effort to look for the meaning of life, we will not be satisfied. And so I think about Matthew 11, when Jesus says, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. And on the one hand, you say, well, if people are just searching for happiness, contentment, joy, love, if people are just searching for those things, that's not sinful. And I would agree with you, that's not sinful. But if we're turning to a fallen world and if we're taking the advice of sinful man and we're following worldly wisdom, then that is sinful. If we're pursuing the joy of Christ and if we're pursuing the things that that only God has provided through his son. If we're pursuing salvation, if we're pursuing contentment, if we're pursuing our soul's satisfaction in anything other than Christ and his finished work, um, if we think that we can make ourselves happy, if we think that we can, uh, that we can just live our own lives and that we'll be completely satisfied and that our souls will be well-fed, for lack of a better way to put it, that our, our souls will be satisfied with anything other than Christ, then we are sinning. And really, in a sense, we're just pursuing idols. Uh, we're seeking to attach our affections and attach our mind and, and, and attach our joy to whatever the world has to offer. Um, and so that is that is sinful, that we would look to creation rather than the creator for our joy, our happiness, our contentment, uh, and that we would exhaust our efforts 
to pursue self rather than exhausting our efforts to simply glorify him and be satisfied with the life that he has given us. And so it does, it does cross over into that we are actively sinning when we're pursuing joy and pursuing life, when we're pursuing fullness of life apart from Christ and not bowing the knee uh, and giving glory to God as the creator and as the one true God of all creation, um, we are sinning. And we're also placing our faith in the things of the world to bring us that satisfaction, to bring us that joy. So it does get to a place where we are actively sinning and pursuing those things. So when we read, you know, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, of course, in the, in the immediate context, it's the if you're weary and you're burdened by the weight of sin, and also if you're weary and you're burdened by, if you were living in a day and age where you were you were raised as a Jew and you were in in that setting where it was literally, here's the law, here's the law, you've got to do all these things, you got to, well, that becomes a burden. Do all of these things um, because you're you're God's child and we're trying to please Him and we're we've got to be obedient, we've got to do all of this stuff. That becomes a burden. But also placing your faith in following those rules also becomes the burden of sin. So come unto me, all you who are weary. And I want to, with what we were talking about previously, if if you are weary and you are tired from searching for your happiness, your contentment, and your purpose, and your meaning in life in the world and in the things of the world, and if you've pursued your dreams, and even if you've accomplished your dreams, but like every time you get to where you think you need to be, you find yourself still you find yourself still not satisfied, and you find yourself still longing for more. You're not fully content. You're not at rest in your soul. The reason is you're still active in your sin and active in running from the good news of Jesus Christ. You're, you're running from the only thing that will satisfy your soul and put it at rest. We can't, we can't earn a right standing with God, but we also can't work and earn and strive for the things that will actually grant rest to our soul. The world has nothing to offer us when it comes to that. And it doesn't matter if you are full of the world's riches. And I don't just mean monetary riches that you've, you've eaten the best of foods. You've, you've, you've traveled, uh, with the best airlines and and the best cruise liners. And you, you've, you've traveled the world and you've gone to, to all of the great spots in the world. And you're, you just, the world is literally at your fingertips. None of those things will bring rest to your soul. And Christ says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And so if you're weary and tired and broken down because you feel like I've tried everything, I've pursued everything, I've worked hard, I've even accomplished a lot of my goals, but I just still feel dissatisfied. I still feel tired. Uh, and even with that, you know, my generation, there's a lot of people hustle you know, hustling. That's a, to have three or four different businesses that you're running on your own or trying to keep afloat is like, you're doing good, man. Hustle now, rest later. That's not, 
It's not biblical. That's not a good way to view the world. So if you are tired, if you're tired of pursuing those things in the world, but then if you realize, well, wait, the real reason, the real reason that I'm not at rest is because I'm not right with God. I'm not at peace with God. I'm a sinner. I'm guilty. And what I'm seeking is to be made right with a holy God. And in that moment, we must realize the only place we have the term where we can be made at peace with God is Christ. And by God's grace, Christ has literally said, come to me, I'll give you rest. Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Believe, all who believe will be saved. Our only hope of being justified before holy God is through faith in Christ and his finished work. And the beauty of all of this is we know that for those who do belong to God, that nothing can separate us from his love for all eternity because there are there are other things that are connected to the doctrine of salvation and there are other things that are connected to being brought to faith. Uh, and there also are things that are connected to the fact that if one genuinely believes, they will begin to hate their sin. They won't just continue in sin. It's not easy believism. However, the gospel is as simple as belief. And then grow in the faith from there. And so um, I appreciate you guys listening. Um, I know this is, well, to me, it might not even feel this way to y'all, but to me, I feel like I'm ending a little abruptly because I do want to continue going, but we're at the 45 minute mark, which means I did pretty good. Um, but uh, thank you guys for considering the simplicity of the gospel with me. The next installment will be what we need most. Uh, we'll have another installment there. And we're going to be talking about family and family worship. What we need most is family and family worship. So that's going to be on the next installment of Christianity proper, proper doctrine, proper life. Uh, if you enjoyed this, if it was beneficial to you, um, it would mean a lot to us and we'd be humbled if you shared it or uh, talked about it with others. If you're not following us on the podcast, uh, please actually make sure that you do follow or subscribe to the podcast, whatever platform you're using. Uh, that does help us out a good bit. But um, thank you guys. Consider the simplicity of the gospel. Uh, consider these scriptures that we referenced and read tonight. And may God be glorified in all things. And we'll catch you on the next installment of Christianity Proper.